I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. And this is YBYA. Today we're going to be talking about book covers. And Allison and I are kind of struggling because we didn't really know how to set up this podcast, but we're, we're going to try it anyway. We're just going to see what happens when we start talking. Yeah, because our conversations generally tend to do really well, but we'll start where we always start with Allison. What are you reading? What am I reading? Um, I don't know, that's why I asked. <laughs> so funny. Magic Bites, which is a urban fantasy. Patricia Beggs still? No, it's Alone. Ilona Andrews. Oh, I never heard of her. Which is interestingly not a her. It's a wife and husband writing team. That's kind of cool. And they've won Nom de Plume. Yep. Huh. So I just started that one. So we'll see. And then I'm also reading Strange and Ever After, which is the third book in the Something Strange and Deadly series by Susan Dennard. Oh, okay. I've heard of those. Yeah. So I read that series super fast and I'm like halfway through the third one. Nice. They're really good. I liked it. It's zombie, historical Philadelphia. Well, I guess they travel over the world, but yeah. Yeah. Historical fiction zombies. <laughs> cool. And I literally just finished Empire of Storms by Sarah J. Moss. And by literally, I mean maybe like 20 minutes before we started this podcast. And I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I just sat across from her watching her finish this book slowly fall into a deep deep despair. I don't know how we're going to wait one more year for this. I know we have Kale's book, which has come out. I can't even... I'm also listening to Wolf by Wolf, which is a alternate history sci-fi where what if Hitler had won World War II and human experimentation was a thing. I was like, what's the sci-fi part? Uh, the main character is a shapeshifter. The Nazis experimented on her as a kid and figured out how people can change their skin to be spies. That sounds awesome. It's really awesome so far. Book covers. So we both discovered very early on in our friendship that we judge book by their covers. And I, I beg the question, how can you not? <laughs> Seriously. I don't understand how you could pick up a book and look at, have eyes, and look at the cover and not make some kind of gut reactional judgment about it. About I feel the, the same genre way. or what kind of character it's going to be, or something. There's got to be something. Something. I I know that there has to be some reaction. I, I can understand people... Actually, I don't really understand this. I'll say it this way. I know some people that don't like to read summaries. That bothers me. I like to know what I'm getting into before I read a book. I love reading the inside flap or the back of the book, but some people, like my sister, is just like, just give it to me. And I think that's also because she has faith in me knowing that anything I give her, she will, like, 99% like, because I filter them through for her. But she doesn't like to know, going into things, what it's going to be like, whereas I am very much the opposite. And for me, book covers are kind of like that. I can kind of tell what's what with a book cover, or I try to, at least. I have the same thing. If I... I cannot not read the flap copy. Yeah. Like, I... I will literally go crazy. Because I, I even sometimes find myself reading and I will reference back to the flap copy and be like, aha, that's what that was. Yes, I do the same thing because I'm also, I also do that when I'm bored with a book. So like if I'm like trying to drag through it, I'm like, okay, they promised me dragons. Where are the dragons coming? Yeah. That type of thing. So And um, I do that with the cover too. So yeah. if it's a very representative cover, I'll flip back and be like looking for clues on the person or in the background about 
Especially once I'm done with the book. Then I'll go back to the cover and say, oh, this is what that means. Right, exactly. Uh, with Sarah J. Moss's books is one where we've done that before, and we've looked at who's who and what's what and what they're wearing. And Yeah, the clothes are always great on Sarah J. Moss's books because they are always described in the book. Like, the characters are always wearing them sometime in the book, and they're described, and so you can go actually get a visual. Right. I remember hearing this conversation in a Vlogbrothers video when John Green's book the Fault in Our Stars was coming out, and how he was thanking the publishers for producing this gender-neutral cover, they had said, in the video. It was fascinating. He was talking to his editor, and she said that how much she was in love with it, because it was a female narrator, and so they were worried initially about ma- reaching his male readers, because all of John Green's previous books have been male narrators, and that this gender neutral cover they called it would help with that and i found that very interesting and so i've been ever I since i would say that's true because yeah. i actually didn't know i haven't read the fault in our stars because i'm not a john green i've never read any of his books i didn't know it was a female narrator and you can usually tell that from the cover yeah that's when i always think of covers and judging them as i go back to that and i'm like oh yeah they put some serious thought into it or good publishers do in that sense. And I find it interesting, the psychology behind that. I wish I knew more about it. Like, I just, from being an avid reader, can kind of tell one thing from another, you know. And I always feel really sad for authors that get books with, like, people on the cover. Because <laughs> um, I know that they redid Vampire Academy books to have that very simple... It was just, like, the V on it, and it yeah. had, like, different things in different colors, but the very, very, very first ones, I think it's been republished three times, the very first ones were, like, these weird people on the cover, and it just looked weird, and it was not what I think it should have been, whereas the Vampire Academy ones now that have just the V and the colors, I don't know, they follow a trend that I think is forming. Interestingly, though, Sabata here switched the covers on her books. So, An Ember in the Ashes, A Torch in the Night, A Reaper at the Gates. Yep. Um, so, A Reaper at the Gates comes out sometime in the next year. Uh, but they, Thank God. I know, it's been a long time. She took a long time to write that book. But, so the the original covers, I love. I um, think they're brilliant. They're just, they're very, very, very simple, kind of background, like, I don't know how to describe it. They're like scenery, but yeah. only one piece. Mm-hmm. And they're, they've only got two or three colors, tones, and Very them. minimal people at the bottom of some of them. And, right. Yeah. So then she changed, and obviously she is not designing these covers. She's the author, not the cover designer. But for the third book, she changed the covers completely. So they she had influence in on that, actually. I read an article about her wanting to put um, persons of color on the covers. Right. So that's the that was why she changed the covers. So now it's, the first cover, I think, is the two main characters, the male and female lead. And it's in red. In red. And then the second one is in blue. And, and it's, it's got Helene in it, too. Yeah, so it's got the three main characters. And then the third one is in green, and it has the three main characters again. Um, but the reason... And people... There was a lot of backlash. She's not creating the third book with matching covers to the first two. The original covers. And so people are upset because their sets are going to be broken up. Yeah. Cover-wise. But she explained the reason that she was doing this was because she wanted to see a brown girl on the cover of her book. And I think that's really cool. I mean, I don't like the new covers as much as I like the old ones. 
just because I think oftentimes covers with people are not as satisfying or pretty. I agree. But I I totally get where she's coming from, and I think it's a really cool sentiment. Um, I just wish they would have republished them. I wish they would have had the third book out and then redone them with the Right, and then maybe done, like, the, on the paperbacks and mm-hmm. with the people on the covers. Yeah, I agree. Let's touch on that, then, with the idea of broken sets. Does it bother you? Yeah, it bothers me a lot. It doesn't bother me as much. I... Can you talk on that a little bit more? Well, so, okay, so it bothers me for books I buy. I, like, specifically buy hardbacks. And oftentimes I specifically buy hardbacks because I can get a complete set that has the correct matching covers. And I like when books are re-released with new covers where they release all of them, like we were hoping Sabah would do. Books that are given to me and books that I've had since childhood, I don't have them matching. Like, my Tamora Pierce books aren't matching. Right. Would I like matching Tamora Pierce books? Yes, but I also have this nostalgic attachment to the books that I have, so I wouldn't want to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because my bookshelves to me are really like an aesthetic. Yeah. They're an aesthetic part of my home. I really like to have matching sets. Yeah, and I've never really cared about that as much. You'll see a lot of my like first books are often paperbacks, and then my second, thirds, or fourths, or whatever, are hardbacks. Because you're getting them as they come out. Because I get them as they come out. And so rarely do I have matching sets. But one series that I will talk about that changed before the third book came out, like Sabata Here's books, was was Anna and the French Kiss. And then they revealed the cover for Isla and the Happily Ever After, and it was like this green, faded scape of New York, and then they were releasing the first two. Now, I owned the first one and had a signed copy of Anna and the French Kiss, so I wasn't going to get rid of it, but then I had to go buy the other three, right? because I wanted Lola and Isla, but the books are even a different size, too. That's when it bothers me more than anything else. I have, like, one uh, Dresden Files book that's more pocketbook than the rest of them. It's a mass paperback. It's a a trade paperback. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, oh, no. So the size bothers me more so than the changing covers, because my Stravaganza set as well the first three have really cool art, and then they re-released all six of them with teenagers on the cover. And I was like, why did you do this to me? Well, another example of that, of size changing as books are released, is um, Red Queen. Queen's Cage is like two inches taller. I've seen all these pictures where people have the first two or three books in the series. Yeah. And then they like, hardback, like, first edition copies, and then their first edition of King's Cage is, like, an inch what? taller. Mine's not like that. We've Hold discovered on. that it's not the hardbacks that are different sizes, because mine are all the same, but the paperbacks in the UK are different sizes. Yeah, it's, for like, Queen, Red Queen. Two and... inches taller. That's absurd. We'll link a picture on our website. Um, oh my goodness gracious. I would be so pissed. I would be, I, that would suck. So I think size matters more than the cover. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, not always. I don't think it matters more than the cover, but it matters. It does matter. For sure. Yeah. Well, like, for instance, I'm looking over and I've got the Daughter of Spoke- Smoke and Bone series, and I have the first one in paperback, but that's because I bought it in paperback and I got it signed, but then I got Days of Blood and Starlight and the third one, something Gods and Monsters, in hardcover because I got them when they came out. And so it's just an interesting thing that I've had to get over, because otherwise I'd have to buy everything in hardback. Which is what I do. And I can't do that, because <laughs> I hate hardback. I would right. wait for books. The only reason I buy them when they come out is because I don't want to wait for them. 
Um, otherwise I'd wait for paperback, like I did with Empire of Storms, and I pre-ordered the paperback, but then I got a free copy of the hardcover, so that was a... That, that sucked. <laughs> See, yeah, and what you're saying is you're going to return the paperback copy because you get your money back? Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Right. Because I would want my set to be there. So I would keep the paperback. But even see, I'm about to get Tower of Dawn in hardcover, so why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Right now, what would be cool is if we mentioned some cover tropes that we've seen and whether or not that's a turn on or a turn off for us. Okay. People on the cover. People on the cover is weird because sometimes it works really well, like with Sarah J. Moss's books. No, like, no, I'll rephrase. You mean photos? Photographs, people on the cover. Do that instead, and then we can do... Usually, photographs of people on the cover is bad. It's better if you can't see their face. I agree. Um, For instance, like, the Uglies reprinting. So the original Uglies covers were I was not a big fan of, and they were a weird boxy size. And then the new ones that they've come out of the different body parts, yeah, that's sick. It's so cool. Yeah, so pieces of people's bodies are good. Or, like, I'm thinking of a couple realistic fiction covers. I think the problem with photorealistic faces on covers is that you just screws up your own storytelling in your head. Yeah, and your own image of the person, especially if they don't match, because I've seen that on covers, too. Yeah. It's, like, the same reason everyone's pissed off that Harry Potter has blue eyes in the movie. Yeah. But he does, like, but he obviously has green eyes, like, in the books. But because you, you know this character so well, then once you, like, see a representation of them on a book cover or in a movie, you're like, this is wrong. You're wrong. You're, you're just wrong. Yes. Um... So yeah, photos don't work if they're spaces, which is why so many paranormal romance and urban fantasy books have terrible covers. They have awful covers. Because they awful covers. all have people on them, and most of, you can almost always see their faces. Vampire Diaries, Vampire Academy, um, I will say Twilight has some pretty good, great covers. Yeah. There's, I think Twilight has object. It is just the object one, which was going to be another trope that I was going to mention of just, like, a single object was another one. Yeah, the one that I'm thinking of like that is And I Darken. Yes, that one works so well. Yeah, because it's just, it's a drawing, but it's just a Or Three Crowns, too. Three Crowns. There's one that's just about to come out, or is just came out Dividing Eden. (gasps) Yes, that one's so cool with the chair and the, uh black and the white. Yeah, it's like a yes. chair, a throne that's being covered in black paint, but only half of it. The use of symbolism on covers is really interesting, and I really yeah. like it when they just have that centralized one, and you, before you read the book, you don't necessarily know what it means, What it means, and then by the end of it, you're like, this cover's so great, because it, it indicates all these things. Yes, exactly. Um, what about cartoon people on the cover? Or drawn people? Drawn people, like in Sarah's. Sarah J. Moss's books? I would say or... Sarah J. Moss's books, but then there are some other ones that I'm just kind of like, but I don't quite understand. I'm trying to think of other YA books that are like that. Uh, Dumpling. Oh, um, yeah. There's also... Um, I like Dumpling, though, because... Fangirl is another one. And that has cartoon people on the cover. So, okay, let me respond to both of those. Okay. Dumpling I really like because it's just a silhouette. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And the, the color blocking... Of her dress and her skin and her hair and then the black background. Looks really good. It looks really good. I love that one. Uh, Fangirl, I think, really works because of the book. So it's about a girl who writes fan fiction. Right. And the art, the cover art looks like fan art to me. 
Oh, that makes sense. What about landscapes? Take them or leave them. I guess it depends on... Typically, if I see a landscape on a book, I expect it to be a dystopian novel. Really? Why? Because I'm just thinking about, like... Desolate lands. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, Maze Runner. Oh, Or, like, uh... There are more. There are other ones that just have, like... Yeah, like a desolate landscape. That one book that I hate, that's the one with the moon... Oh, life as we knew it. Life as we knew it. <laughs> there you go. Um, that one has like the landscape is just the moon and then like the horizon line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So and it's if it's an empty landscape, especially, it's like something has happened. There's some kind of desolation. Well, what Metal about like, town? That's another one. Yeah, but what about like Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe or um, Salt to the Sea is another one that they just it's just the landscape. Yeah. I don't know, though, because Aristotle and Dante is different. I'm looking at it right now. It's very different because it's not just a landscape because it has all the symbolism in the sky. Okay. So that's, I think, I don't think of it as a landscape because it has... And all those flipping awards on the side of it. Yeah, that's just obnoxious. I mean, it's good for you. You got a bunch of awards, but yeah, I can't see the cover. Salt of the Sea, I'll give you, but it is about a tragedy. Fair. It's just not dystopian tragedy. It's not dystopian. It's historical fiction. But it, it still has that, like, desolate feeling. Because yeah. it's this tragic shipwreck. Right? It's a shipwreck. Yeah, it is a shipwreck. And, like, I haven't read it. Um, landscapes tend to be... It depends on the coloring of the landscape for me. Mm. It tends to be, like, a bright landscape. I think of, like, a Nicholas Sparks novel. Like, you know, Walk to Remember are the, is the autumn trees or the longest ride is this big open field and they tend to be brighter. Whereas I think if it's a little bit of a darker landscape, then I tend to be a little bit more intrigued by it. What about books that have, like, abstract nothings on them? Like, Problem of Forever. I love those. I'm a sucker for those. Because it goes back to Fault in Our Stars. It creates such a mystery for me. If I don't know what it's about, I am more likely to pick it up. Do you think that they're typically in any one genre, though? Realistic fiction. Like, almost hands down, can say realistic fiction. There's very few fantasies that I can think of that really don't have people in the cover. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to think of one now that isn't, like, Divergent or Hunger Games or Snow Like Ashes. I can think of fantasies without people, but I can't really think of fantasies without some recognizable object. Right. Whereas, like, Problem with Forever, Fault in Our Stars. The Sun is also a star. The Sun is also a star. Will Grayson, Will Grayson. Everything, everything. Everything, everything. The Upside of Unrequited. There's so many of them that fall into that. Holding on to Forever. Or Holding on to the Universe. Whatever. The Marble one. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I am so intrigued by those. Um, When We Collided. That's another splatter paint looking one. To me. I'll give you the sun. That's one, too. Those I like. But I think they are very realistic fiction-y. Um, it makes me... It's an indicator, for sure, of realistic fiction. For sure. You know? But I prefer it to covers like uh, Run, Dairy Queen, um, Boys of Summer, that have people on the cover. Yeah. Even yeah. Rules of Chemistry or whatever. You know, they're, I don't want to see people kissing on the cover. Morgan Matson books, some of them do it right. Since You've Been Gone, I don't like, but Amy and Roger's Epic Detour I like, with just them holding hands, and you don't really see them. Yeah. It's just so. a body part mm-hmm. versus faces thing again. Yeah. So, and I don't know, it's an interesting, but definitely I think that the abstract art is a realistic fiction one. So I would say that, caveat, take good recommendations where you can get them, yep. regardless of covers, but if you're on your own, judging books by its cover can be a lifesaver sometimes. I think so. Thank you.
Next time we're going to be talking about our most anticipated releases of 2017 for the fall, which is really exciting, and maybe we might dip into 2018 a little bit there um, and see what we're really excited for. Um, and I think that'll also dip into, you know, what is pre-ordering versus waiting until we've read the books, those type of things. Um, yeah, what do you pre-order, what do you put on hold with the library and wait your turn? Exactly. And you know what, what makes you excited about an upcoming book? Hype. Does it matter? Does it not? Yeah. That being said, I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Now go read the thing. <laughs>